is a beginning point. This is the beginning of the rest of my life. I got the meaning, and I got to write it down, because I don't want to forget it. Just win, baby. Man, I like that logo. Welcome back to the Gold Jacket Podcast, proudly sponsored by Monkey Knife Fight. I am your host, Gymnastic, and you can find me on Twitter at Gold Jacket QBs. I'm joined, as always, by the other host of this show, Connor Donald. You can find him on the screen right there. He's got his Twitter handle, uh, but you can find him at Twitter at Connor10. We are proud members of the True North Fantasy Football Network. Make sure to check out the entire network on Twitter. That's at True North FFB. YouTube, if you're checking us out right now, thank you very much. TNFF Network and on the internet, TrueNorthFFB.com. And our newest platform, you know I'm never going to figure it out, but that's fine. True North FFB. You can find articles, rankings, podcast streams, and so much more. Welcome to week 14. Used to be the start of playoffs. Now you got one more week of the regular season. You might get those up. Teams teetering, get kicked out. Those teams teetering, maybe they get in. Who knows? It's a one more week of excitement of the NFL season. For most, it is the final week of this fantasy season, like I was saying. And it's time to go into the playoffs next week. Why two mountain horn? I'm 11 and 2 in the Scott Fishbowl. About a dollar of fab spent. ELO division champ. This is Connor and myself this week. We're talking Tuddy. Or muddy, it's the latest boom or bust games or trends and see how you should take them for season long in Dynasty, a.k.a. the Elijah Moores, the Javante Williams, so on and so forth. Um, then I'm going to go Bananas, sponsored by Monkey Knife Fight, where I'm giving you my favorite Thursday night game of the MKF prop. A little bit of a slump. I'm not even going to talk about it. It's all right. And Connor is going to give you some gold and fool's gold, giving you your week 13 starts and sits brought to you by trophy smack. But first up, what is happening, Connor? Sorry about that. Um, not much, man. Not much. Got the Christmas tree up and things are looking more uh, festive around the house, but, uh, Otherwise, uh, congratulations on Scott Fishbowl. I cannot say I had the same uh, luck. I think I ended up finishing six and seven. My Scott Fishbowl, my first round at the Scott Fishbowl did not go well. My uh, two main picks, Darren Waller and Saquon Barkley, needless to say, may have or may not have let me down significantly this season. Um, but then... Uh, I mean, I guess we have that positive despite your slump in um going uh the going bananas and the uh the the tutty dancing. You haven't been doing so much of the dancing, but we're gonna get you back on track this week. Don't you even worry about it, Jim. So make sure you're going to monkeyknifeweight.com, get yourself signed up right now because Jim is going to give you gold tonight. I promise. You'd still be in the black. You're still in the black though. Well, let's see, there you go. Um, yeah, that's all that matters, right? You win some, you lose some, as long as you still got some money to go with. Um, but let's start it off with Tuddy or Muddy. Like you said, we're going to take a look at some of the uh, most recent trends um, in fantasy football and how they impact 
are how we believe they're going to impact Dynasty. Um, shout out to Nate in the group in the uh, chat there. Congratulating you as well, Jim. Absolutely. You know um, what? Real quick before we do this, I want to read out my Scott Fishbowl little roster because <laughs> I feel really good about this team. Like it's unbelievable. I'm as in a league with the fantasy footballers. I'm in the division with Neil Dutton of Rotoviz Radio, um, Dynasty Warzone, Tyler uh, FF Tyler O, Tyler Ogrinsky. Uh, I'm in there with some heavy hitters, man, uh, is what I think. And I want to read it off by position group, and you can tell me how you think about it. Um, starting with the position I attacked first and foremost, which is my running back. Had a little bit of injury early on. I had David Montgomery. I have DeAndre Swift, Aaron Jones, Dalvin Cook, Kenny Gainwell, Tevin Coleman, Tariq Cohen. Obviously, I should probably drop Tariq. <laughs> uh, in the wide receiver room where you need to start three wide receivers, I have Jerry Judy, Deontay Johnson. Thank you to Coach Craig for making me sway on this one. Cooper Cup, Darnell Mooney, Jalen Rager, and Kadarius Toney. In my tight end position, I have Jack Doyle and Kylan Granson, a.k.a. the Indianapolis duo that I wanted. And then not knowing which one would be the one to take in Dallas, and I still haven't dropped him because I haven't found a suitable person and I want to see if he can make it to the championship roster with me. I have Dalton Schultz and Blake Jarwin, the Dallas duo. In this format, which is crazy, and I actually started him last week due to all the running back injuries that and by week with Aaron Jones. I have one kicker on my roster. He put up a whopping 8.8 .8 points last week. Miami's place kicker, Jason Sanders. But super flex, you need to be anchored by the super flex position, which is the quarterback. And if you notice real quick, I paired two of my stud wide receivers in Cooper Cup and Deontay Johnson with their signal callers in Matthew Stafford and Ben Roethlisberger. I then take a young gunslinger that I think has all the tools to progress in such a format as Scott Fishbowl, that's Mac Jones. And I hit on a late-round gem. That's right. I have four starting quarterbacks that you could hit any given week with Taylor Heineke. Boys, I think I'm going to end up doing pretty good. I like it. Beauty of a roster. And you know what? Last year we talked about it and we never got the chance to, but we want to have the Scott Fishbowl winner on. And hopefully the Scott Fishbowl winner is my my host my co-host here with me and then we don't have to invite anybody we just get to uh we just get to talk about it with you when you win the scott fishbowl so we will see how that goes for sure but into the tutty or muddy we go um i actually want to start it with dak prescott today dak prescott eight top 12 finishes in 11 weeks three of those finishes top five um, if people remember, I think his ADP was somewhere around five or six, obviously coming off the ankle injury. It slumped a bit, but it was still quite high. He had back-to-back -back seasons averaging 300 yards per game prior to the season where he's sitting at 288 plus 7.6 yards per, an att per attempt, which is his lowest in the last three seasons. He does, however, have a career-high touchdown percentage and completion percentage. Do you think Dak is still a top-five fantasy quarterback? Top five is uh is pretty is pretty hefty. Um, 
I I like them. I definitely like them. Uh, let's let's just go through real quick here and and think about it. So Connor, who do you have as your number one? Although he's been excruciating this year, I think I'd still have to stick with Patrick Mahomes. I don't think you can waver. I mean, it's Me? Mahomes I or just Murray. Don't be, I just don't want to be a homer. Um, <laughs> see, I don't have Murray there yet for all purposes. I think it would be uh, Pat Mahomes or Josh Allen, depending on which one of those two you wanted. Um, man, it's really hard. It is really hard. Uh, like I don't know. Like if I if I do Matt Stafford with with his offense now. Like, well, if we look at the current landscape of uh, the top it's five, it's Tom Brady, Justin Herbert, Josh Allen, Jalen Hurts, Matthew Stafford. Those would presently be your top five, but I just don't see personally so, outside of Herbert and Allen, I don't see drafting any of those other three guys in a start. Well, no, you're not going to draft them because of the longevity of, mm, of like the Brady position, and right? Stafford and stuff. Yeah, exactly. And Dak like, Prescott is currently. I 10. like, I like Dak. I think Dak would, I would take him over Kyler. Oh, wow. I, I think I would take him over Kyler, but you don't <laughs> have to. No, you don't, you don't have to. No, I, I just like Kyler more for the, I mean, I know we hate to talk about the running aspect, but the mobility aspect. And just look at the way that offense ran without him and the minute he was back there. The guy was still a fantasy stud last week while throwing for less than 200 yards because of what he could do to get into the end zone with his legs. So um, I, I find it hard because I don't think that Dak Prescott brings that anymore. I think for me, Dak Prescott's probably right on the outside looking in, but Dak Prescott, people were drafting him as much higher um, leading into the prior season and this past season. So I don't, I don't know if I got yeah, Dak. Dak used to five. give you six. Dak used to give you six rushing touchdowns. There was mm-hmm. there was always assurance with that. You know what I mean? Like Definitely. as he progresses as a passer and. Gets more weapons in that game, aka Dalton Schultz, Michael Gallup, Amari Cooper, which who may or may not be there next week, I guess, mm-hmm. or uh, next year. I mean, and CD Lamb, who now there's debates on who's better, CD Lamb and Justin Jefferson. I don't really even understand that. And then like Jamar Chase in there, but I don't get why they can't be great. You know that, but um, I guess it just more more concerns the fact that. Does he have all his weapons going forward, and who does he end up losing next next year? And the offensive line, I think, too, because oh, yeah. the offensive line has definitely had its moments. Um, they've lost a lot of key pieces and struggled to keep all of them. I don't think they've marched out their actual on-paper starting offensive line that they had in the offseason depth chart this season. So they've, they're definitely missing some of those elements. I don't think I'd, I definitely don't think I'd put him in the top five. I think for me, I got Mahomes, I got Murray, I got Herbert, I got Allen, and I probably got Lamar Jackson there. I probably still got Lamar Jackson there. He's showing a bit more in the passing game. Sure, he definitely has his moments. He's made some bad decisions, but at the end of the day, and he's had some really horrid tipped passes not go his way. But I think that those would be my top five just off the top of my head. And Dak Prescott would probably land right on the six, seven, eight range for me. That's fair enough. 
Yeah, that's fair enough. That's fair enough, man. Um, you, me, I think I'd put him in like the four or five, maybe six range, but that's just me. I've seen he like I think I'm a firmer believer in him than like Justin Herbert. I also don't think I'm not one of these guys that goes, oh my god, I can get a quarterback and have him for 10, 12 years, etc. Mm-hmm. Dak's gonna be in the league for three years. That's all I care about. You know what I yeah. mean? In the start of that, like so I don't have to take them where I'd have to take these Justin Herberts or whatever. I might be able to fall back, end up catching around, trade back, whatever. Um, but at the end of the day, I think he gives you just as much stability in an offense that is just as good. Like you said, maybe maybe short of that offensive line because it's looked patchy at times and uh, they haven't actually rolled out on paper what they could really, really end up doing. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. Uh, yeah, I and I mean, I just want to point out in a, a by per game average, the difference between 1 and 11 is 23.95 Kyler Murray and 20.05 Kirk Cousins. So there's 11 quarterbacks giving you very similar output just depending upon the week and obviously your roster build in, in different situations like that. So the gap is not huge between a lot of these guys. Like some might have you believe by the way that they're drafting some of these players, especially when you see like Mahomes and Murray and Allen go off the board so quickly in some drafts. Um, well, exactly. And even like in that scenario, where I just showed you with Scott fish, I ended up hitting on four mm-hmm. and I didn't take any of those four drastically early right i don't mm-hmm. have a mahomes i don't have a kyler murray i have a stafford who i think is very good but like the other three is big ben who's pretty old but doing pretty good in in that format taylor heineke who just unfortunately stepped into a starting role due to an injury and um a rookie who could have easily blown up in your face and never been able to be started but you know, it comes Agreed. like you can end up hitting on these guys anyway. Let's just keep it rolling That's here. But yeah, absolutely, muddy I'm getting muddy here. And here's a guy I want to talk about, Connor. Absolutely, so I know this. This could really bring some homerism out, but we want your honest opinion on it. Clyde edwards alaire his startup ADP last offseason from May 1st to the start of the season was the RB12. Everything is down from 2020, due in large part to missing five games and also leaving one early. There are positives like his top 15 opportunity share and his top 12 true yards per carry, which discounts carries of 10 plus yards. But overall, a 30th ranked fantasy points per game is what we're looking at. Is he a tutty or muddy in dynasty to land in the top 12? It's muddy. It's muddy. I like the things that you are talking about him there where he's top 15 in opportunity share, top 12 in true yards per carry. But at the end of the day, do we – I guess we. I kind of care, but do we really care as much as the fantasy points per game where he's getting you RB3 numbers in there, right? So it's very muddy. I mean – you're attached to one of the greatest offenses and offensive minds, I think, in the game. You have a great fantasy quarterback who apparently pounded the table for you, so I don't see you losing your job. But the value that you're going to put into him, I think, is going to deter 
as the season progresses. I don't think you're ever going to get what you put into him for value-wise. As soon as you, it's like driving a new car off the lot with him. As soon as you drive that off the lot, yeah, I think you've lost value. You'll never get. It. So if you pay two firsts, you're never going to get two firsts. So if you're fine with that, I mean that's okay. But I think he's more of a fringe. I don't think he's. It's money for top twelve. Like if he hits top twelve, it's like twelve, mm-hmm. maybe thirteen. Right, and as soon as it's thirteen, then no, he's not a top twelve. I get it, but like that could be differentiated by literally point eight points. Um, it's around that mark, though. I'd say like eleven, twelve, thirteen. Yeah, I think like I think this year, in, I think this year in startups, I think he's going to land in that zone, like where Miles Sanders, David Montgomery, and Josh Jacobs were landing this past year, where they were all landing in the like sixteen to twenty ballpark and the the dead zone where nobody wants to touches them touch them i feel like that's where ch is gonna end up landing and i was always like me and you were always saying on the show like people were jumping too soon yes he's got the talent he can be really good real life football player but the idea that just because you're tied to a top and top flight offense aerial offense doesn't mean the Clyde Edwards Alaire is automatically becoming a, a RB1 asset, like a top 12 must have asset. And that's how he was co- like in rookie drafts. He was coming off the board high, man. He was coming off as the first running back off the board. And he was in there with guys like Yandre Swift. Like it made, it, it made no sense because you didn't know what the opportunity was going to look like. And we talked about it. I don't know how many times we talked about it that year where we said you're tied to a really good arm a really good quarterback, but what does that really mean for you? Look at the Buffalo Bills. I feel like that's a good example. You're tied to a tremendous arm, but you're not, but they're not seeing the work. Look at how much they pass. Look at how much Kansas City Chiefs pass. But Clyde Edwards, don't get me wrong, Jim. Clyde Edwards is way better than any of the running backs in Buffalo has. So don't don't give me on that part. Um Yeah, it's just like the scheme too, right? Like I don't see Buffalo really dumping off to their quarterback or to their running back, and I don't see Buffalo letting the running back do the dirty work in in the red zone where Mm -hmm. um, Kansas City does, right? Like these Kansas City in the red zone, like you'll see them. It's not Pat Mahomes sneaking in for for QB touchdowns. Uh, They're handing that motherfucker off nine times Mm -hmm. out of ten or or he's shovel passing it to – to Kelsey as he's going through, or if he, or if he is throwing it, it's a, it's a, it's a play fake. You know what I mean? Like he's not diving in too often on on a design play, where Josh Allen does. But uh, that's neither here nor there. I still just think checking, it. just checking out the red zone touches though. It's actually Daryl Williams twenty nine, Clyde Edwards Alaire twelve, and I get that Daryl Williams played some games, but like Daryl Williams had games where his good. red zone numbers were like six, six. Four and Clyde Edwards Alaire is yet to see three. So it's like, do they trust Clyde Edwards Alaire in the red zone to get into the red zone? What's the touchdowns though as well with that, Connor? Like when he's getting six red zone touches, mm-hmm. how many touchdowns is that? That and opposed to like into. and then opposed to the three. Is he getting six because he's getting stuffed twice on every opportunity where Clyde Edwards Alaire just goes in? Like there's other like there's other facets to, to have to mm-hmm. look at it besides just red zone volume in there. And I agree. That is something I also look at, but like Jonathan Taylor, for example, when Jonathan Taylor leads everybody in, in red zone attempts with 12, 
you also got to look at like, okay, inside the five, how many does he lead in? And then how many of those go for touchdowns and how many were actually stuffed? Mm-hmm. Definitely. So, anyway, that's neither here nor there. Cause like you're going to get more if you get stuffed three times, right? Or, t- or twice. And you get three and you get three cracks at it. 100%. Obviously. Yeah. Anyway. Next one, I want to get into another running back one that is going to be probably much more hotly contested. Um, Started up Dynasty ADP discussion. Javonta Williams or Najee Harrison Dynasty. Najee was being drafted as the RB5 post-draft, and Williams was being drafted as the RB16 post-draft last year. Um, Obviously, the discussion is Javonta Williams. When he took over, what was he going to be? We saw it this week. He took over, Melvin Gordon was out, and Javonta Williams was the RB1. Najee Harris is struggling with some of the things that we agreed he may very well struggle with and that came in the form of the issues via the offensive line the uh, the offense in general being stagnant and being behind the arm of a quarterback who can barely throw 10 yards so for you now that you've kind of seen now there's like a good port sample size for us how are you drafting them next year? How are you looking to acquire them? <laughs> Obviously, I don't think acquiring them is in the question right now. <laughs> How would you be drafting them next year? Which one would you take first? Oh, uh, still Najee. I'm still taking Najee. Mm-hmm. Um, and if there's concerns with the quarterback issues in Pittsburgh, you better have fucking concerns with the quarterback issues in Tampa. Mm-hmm. Agreed. And like, um, I mean, when I when I was doing the research, like they're so similar. Javonta ranks 18th in evaded tackles, ninth in yards created. He has a 45th ranked offensive line when out there. While Harris, it's number five in evaded tackles, number four in yards created. And uh, playing behind an offensive line that ranks 49th when he's on the field among running backs. So there's very, there's so, there's so similar. Like people love to point out like the evaded tackles and the missed tackles forced by Javonta Williams, but they don't realize Najee Harris is doing so much work for himself as well. Yards created per game is at over 60. He's right around 60, just above 60 that he's creating all by himself because of how bad that offensive line is. And here's the thing though, that I want to preface this and tell all our listeners, um, know your league though. Know, know your fucking league. If you know your league wants Javante Williams more than Najee, then you take Javante Williams before Najee. If you know you can get more for him, you take the back, you know you can get more for him. It's like uh, if you have that Eagles homer, you take Gainwell a little earlier. No, you know what I mean? Just saying, like, you take Gainwell a little bit earlier and squeeze the juice on him. Yeah, definitely. I, I agree because Pete, there are people who, who actually do that. I know a lot of guys who were Javante over Najee during the rookie process as well. And you could have taken advantage of those guys last year and got a lot more than, I mean, it's tough to say if it's a lot more than what you'd get now, now that people have seen Javante, but usually when someone is behind their guy, they're going to be behind their guy and they're going to be willing to pay up like that. Um, but I agree with you. I'm going with Najee Harris on this one. This is like, you talk, like these generational talents and like the, these discussions like you know, like Mac Jones and Trevor Lawrence and the issues that Trevor Lawrence is having and stuff. And at the end of the day, Trevor Lawrence was picked the way he was for a reason. Najee Harris was picked the way he was for a reason. 
and they were called generational for a reason, although the word generation was tossed around pretty much at every position last year and about three people deep. But remember, the true generational talents that they talked about all season long as being such, Najee Harris, Trevor Lawrence, Kyle Pitts. Those were the three guys. Those were the three dudes. So I definitely would still take Najee Harris first because, I mean, it looks like Ben's done in Pittsburgh. It looks like they're going to be doing something in Pittsburgh. Um, looking at the draft class this year, which tough to say what the obviously their quarterbacks don't look great, but it's a massive opportunity in Pittsburgh to be way better than what they are right now. Okay, so Connor, I want to bring this up for you. With Ben Roethlisberger saying this is probably his last dance in Pittsburgh and saying he only came back this season for another potential Super Bowl run mm -hmm. in Pittsburgh, obviously being in need of a quarterback and Dwayne Haskins obviously not being that because he's been shown as immature and foolish when we can get an opportunity. You already know what you have in Mason Rudolph. As an Eagles fan, would you entertain the fact of how, when you have three first-round picks trading Jalen Hurts for a maximum package Rolling into 2022 as a bridge gap with Gardner Minshew, not expecting him to be the overall starter as a future. Understand not an overall starter as a future. I said bridge gap. Building with your three first-round picks along with what you would get for Jalen Hurts and going into 2023 and drafting your quarterback behind a fully developed roster that is now ready to roll with a cheap quarterback on a five-year window for a Super Bowl run. Would you, as a fan, accept that? I do want to preface this by saying I am a fan of logic. And if you know anything about Philadelphia and their media and their fans, logic is not the proven test, has not withstood the test of time. That would make, that would seem logical. Would I do it? I I don't know if I would do it personally. I feel like I don't think I feel so like you believe that Jalen Hurts is your franchise quarterback. Because if you do not believe he's your franchise quarterback, and this is not the whole Philadelphia loves backup quarterback things that we were talking about earlier. If you don't believe he's your backup quarterback, if you don't believe he's your franchise quarterback, do you tr truly believe Jalen Hurts is your franchise quarterback? You can get behind him for the next, you can give him a long term five year deal after. He could be the guy there for seven years, eight years. Likely, uh, likely not. But no, it's know, not in I your do, heart. I you do don't think so. See, I do also So why think not maximize the value while he's still hot? Use a guy that you've already now seen can get the offense going and potentially be a bridge gap. I understand it was not against the most stellar defense, but you have now secured three first-round picks with Carson Wentz now playing 75% of the season snaps, correct? Mm-hmm. Nah, not yet. Ten snaps away. So when they come back from the bye, oh, so he's getting it unless there. he ends up snapping his ankle on the second fucking play of the game. On the bye, even, then, even then, I bet you they end up like putting him out there, like just tape it, get in there for seven. <laughs> <laughs> we just, we just, we want to get to the playoffs, Carson. Please. Um, no, but anyway, like I said, so they're pretty much all secured three first round picks. Besides what people on Twitter are telling you, some people are telling you it's a shabby draft class. It's not. It's not. Maybe not for all intents and fantasy purposes, but it's definitely a good draft class. Um, it's a it's a stupendous draft class at a number of positions that don't start with the letter Q. Yep, absolutely it is. Uh, as an Eagles 
fan, wouldn't you rather build those three draft picks, trade Hurts for potentially you're going to get first rounders for him. Let's just go. You don't believe in him as your franchise quarterback. Neither does half of Philadelphia chant for Minshew after that amazing win with two touchdowns. Dallas Goddard. I mean, the Minshew mania is lighting on a fire. He's probably going to crack that bell on the other side. Um, That's neither here nor there though. Uh, And build a team literally through next year. And maybe the year after that 2023 draft your quarterback, because hopefully you can get, a first round in 2023 for, for Jalen Hurts there and draft your quarterback then? Honestly, if there's the belief that there's no belief in Philadelphia, you are not getting any type of return similar to that of what you invested in him, which was a second rounder. I see no team willing to spend a first rounder on Jalen Hurts. I think You're that fucking it's nuts. I this isn't fantasy football, Jim. Come on now. You're if you nuts. if you're sitting there watching Jalen Hurts and you're listening to everybody saying, "Oh, he's not the answer in Philadelphia," I don't think that anybody's gonna sit there and say he's my answer. I'm gonna give my first round pick this year for that. I just don't see it. I, and like that would mean you have to get the first round return on Jalen Hurts to have this strategy take place, and you need to hope that that team's gonna suck, or that we're gonna suck and we're gonna end up in that top five pick in 2022 it it calls for a lot of things working in philadelphia's favor to ensure that we are picking at the top of that draft in 2023 yeah to get that pick and there's no guarantee and we've seen the price to pay up for quarterbacks i don't know i don't know i think you can sell him i agree agree with premium i agree with kyle I think a second rounder what is what we invested in. That's about what you would get. Oh, I see. I think this is the year that you could exploit a lot of teams, a lot of teams that now feel foolish for passing on players like Mac McCorkle Jones. (laughs) (laughs) Trust me, this is a rabbit hole that on my show, on my Eagle show, the Kelly Green, I'm sure we're going to dive down it many a times in this offseason and over the next few weeks. Because trust me, there are a lot of people calling for Gardner Minshew right now. And Nick Sirianni has stood true that it's Jalen Hurts at, after the bye week, and it's going to stay that way for the rest of the season, barring any injuries. I got to get that be. number, and I got to start calling up myself during uh, my designated <laughs> work breaks for Minshew Mania. The mullet's back, baby. Grow that mullet. I know he doesn't have one. Onward and upward, though, to tidy your money. We, we're going to talk about a really good player in the last couple weeks, and that's T. Higgins. He's kind of stole the thunder from Jamar Chase over the last couple weeks. Back-to-back 100-yard games with touchdowns in each. Only eight targets less than Chase on the season, 90 to 82. And he leads the team in red zone targets. Um, So I guess my question here, is this tidy or is this muddy? And can both of these guys coexist together? Because it feels like they haven't really had many games where they're coexisting together as reliable fantasy options. So that's where it goes a little muddy is can they – both produce on the same game maybe not you might get like the yo-yo games you might get like this is a t higgins game this is a jamar chase game but we alluded to earlier on like we love jamar chase and all that but we did allude to that t higgins was definitely a buy at his wide receiver what 34 32 something like that 30 the uh yeah 30 30 something uh because we alluded to he was getting targets the only thing that was missing was was touchdowns 
he was he was pretty much pacing uh, Jamar Chase in the target area. It's just he wasn't catching those touchdowns, and he was getting the opportunity. And we said the opportunity started to come, he would start to produce his wide receiver three status. So yeah, I think it's a tutty for dynasty purposes. I think it gets money on can they both produce in the same week, and that's really on uh, the coach and. Joe Burrow. Sorry, I'm losing my mind there for a second. I think that's more on Joe Burrow and the ability to get that offense fully rolling because then also you got Joe Mixon who's finally rolling too, right? Like now Joe Mixon's finally getting the respect on, on his name that, that he finally deserves that we've been waiting so patiently for pulling the Cordell Patterson light role here uh, going four or five years to, to, to hit it out. But that's, that's yeah, I think it's a tutty for, for dynasty purposes. Agreed. I, I think it's a tutty. I think either one, I think this is one of those situations where if you're entering a, a startup dynasty draft next year, this is, I feel like this is one of the circumstances where you take whichever one's going to be cheaper because you know that the circumstance may be there that it's going to rely on game script. It's going to rely on Joe Burrow. It's going to rely on a lot of things that are outside of your control. So why not take the guy that you know, is going to be the cheapest, the, the option that you can have. You could have drafted DK Metcalf as a top, what, eight eight wide receiver last year, or you could have taken Tyler Lockett as a inside, in between the 30 and 40 range and look at the situation that they're in now and the predicament that they're in now and what DK Metcalf is doing for you right now. DK Metcalf is likely the better wide receiver, but you paid so much more of a premium on that guy when you could have got a cheaper option who can give you similar production it's just tougher to tell when that production is going to happen so for me i think it's a tutty i think you can't go wrong with either but on this show we love the cheaper value and the guy that we know is going to be worth that may pay off better for his investment that's that's why i think it'll be t higgins well and it's like if you play in a wide like yeah he's not gonna be your wide receiver one but you play a three wide receiver league i want t higgins on there and I wouldn't even mm-hmm. be opposed to to having Jamar Chase and T Higgins if you end up falling into them in a trade and, and playing them both in certain situations. Like not every week, obviously, because that's a little crazy. I just said you can't support both every week, but there would be weeks where I would just throw them both in and just hope. But you never know. Like I said, yeah. And in twelve of- in twelve weeks, they have produced top twenty four performances together only one time. So there's only been one game where they both finish as top 24 uh, core, uh, wide receivers. And this could be a gelling with, you know, with Joe Burrow and things could get a lot better. But this feels a lot like, you know, the Dallas situation where it was like you're talking C.D. Lamb, you're talking to Mari Cooper, you're talking Michael Gallup, and you're trying to figure out which one you want, which one's going to give you value. And at the end of the day, well, the situation is a little muddy there right now and figuring that all out because C.D. Lamb's had his moments, Gallup's had his moments, Cooper's had his moments, but none of them have given you really consistent moments to hang their hang your hat on this year. So, And it feels like such a similar situation there in Cincinnati. Um, lastly, I want to talk about one more wide receiving room, and this is an ugly one. Jerry Judy, oh. Cortland Sutton, and Tim Patrick. So Cortland Sutton, Tim Patrick got brand new contracts. Jerry Judy stuck on that rookie contract for uh, three three more years, likely four, four when they pick up that fifth-year option. Five top 24s all season between those three guys. Is this a QB issue? 
And how do you foresee them being drafted in Dynasty in 2022? Who's going to be the tidy? Who's going to be the muddy? This kind of screams uh, eerily similar to Pittsburgh this year, where I think you're going to see, as soon as you see one go, you're going to see the other two go. Bang, bang. Mm -hmm. Probably uh, more likely than not, you'll see Judy Sutton Patrick. Mm -hmm. Bang, bang, bang. Um, But this screams to me that Denver is going to be in the hunt for a guy like Aaron Rodgers or Russell Wilson. 100%. You're locking up three absolutely fantastic. And like to me, it screams more Aaron Rodgers. Tim Patrick seems to be more of the Aaron Rodgers type of wide receiver that he likes as like a wide receiver too. You know what I mean? Um, Mm -hmm. I don't know which who he's going to take with Judy or Sutton. Uh, I mean, Judy probably for talent-wise, but Sutton also seems to more fit his – mold of a wide receiver that I think would excel better with Aaron Rodgers. I think it would be Sutton and Patrick as like wide receivers that really entice him more so. And then he's got the wide, then he's got the uh, uber athletic tight ends and in Alberto and, and Noah Fant. Like you can do a lot of damage with, with that. Um, hundred percent. They're built for that. And they were tied to his, they, they were tied with Aaron Rodgers in the off season this past year that they were thinking about it. People were talking about that might be a thing. And they would, they were trying to like wish it to fruition. And then they, went, me. they went forward with the last <laughs> dance, but yeah, hundred percent. If Aaron Rodgers goes there, their value skyrockets. I think that no matter what Judy and uh, Judy and Sutton's value skyrockets. I could see like that. Crazy. I could see that too. A Kyle saying though, I could, I could actually see them working that if Aaron Rodgers went there and trade and, and Sue Judy back. Is like I was just saying, the two wide receivers that I think really fit him more are Sutton and Patrick out of the three. So I could see that. I don't like it as a Chiefs fan. I say stay the fuck out of the West. <laughs> Go to the AFC North. Pittsburgh's looking for somebody. <laughs> <laughs> It's so true. It's going to be so interesting when we talk in this offseason because there's going to be so much discussion about the quarterback carousel and this draft class at the quarterback position and what teams are going to do. There's already teams in the market. There's teams that are likely finished figuring out are they going to be in the market. Carolina's probably going to be back in the market. Philly's probably going to be in the market. There's going to be so many. It's again, every what do you year mean it's like going to be in the market. But oh, Jalen Hurts, you won't trade oh, him away. With if you won't trade him away and you're still in the market, that is bullshit. Because you have a backup of Minshew. No, this if is you, spe- if- this is speaking purely from a, I know Howie, I know Philadelphia, I know Jeffrey I'm just saying, Moore, if you're going to keep fucking Jalen Hurts, you don't draft a quarterback. I guess I should make this comment clear so that you know where my mindset is at all times. The three first-round picks need to be used as such because it's more important, I think, in my eyes to build a team with those three first-round picks and we'll figure out the quarterback situation after the fact. But in like I 2023, think, like I, think, I say, after you trade, if you trade Jalen Hurts to a quarterback needy team in 2022, see, I with, don't this bad, this is- with this bad quarterback class, you maximize the value because you already want – got them taking a quarterback already. Um, it's in crazy. In what? 
I don't got him taking a quarterback yet. Oh, you personally don't, but you're in the quarterback market, you say they are. So if you're Uh, in the quarterback market, trade the motherfucker now, roll Minshew for a year, and build like you said. Me and you are on a similar path. Build, build, build. Take your quarterback in 2023. Or build, build, build. We need need to use the three firsts as three firsts. They're way more vitally important than trading all of them for Russell Wilson. I think they are way more vitally important than a move like that. Just a rash decision that says, hey, we're a quarterback away. I don't know. If you watch the Eagles, watch the defense. We are Maybe not they a should talk to away. Green Bay. No, Trade. We, we don't want, we don't want Aaron Rodgers. Oh, I'd rather have Aaron Rodgers. They're, they already – it sounds like if we're in the market, it's Russell Wilson, not Aaron Rodgers. That's Oh, yeah, player. because that's like such a huge tier difference there. Eh? Like, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> no, that's just fucking they, guy. Because they want to be able to contend for longer than maybe two years. The window with Aaron Rodgers is potentially smaller. So is it with fucking Russell Wilson. He can bounce away with Sierra any given week. You have no idea. Well, anyways, That's neither here nor there. Let's keep her going. Anyways, I'm rambling. Yeah. And uh, so for me, um, yeah, I agree with you. I think it's going to go Judy. It's going to be Sutton. It's going to be Patrick. Patrick's going to have those boom games. He's going to have those moments. But I think it all is very reliant on the quarterback position and then figuring that out. And uh, Teddy Bridgewater is just, he's not, not the answer. It's not going to be it. Um, and like, I think it was more like last year we saw them work so well with Teddy Bridgewater because I think they were without Christian McCaffrey. And now I feel like this is just too much for Teddy Bridgewater. He sees all these weapons and he's like, I just can't handle all this. I got two athletic oh, ends. I got Javonta Williams. I got three wide receivers. Two of them just got some bank on them. So I got to use them. And yet they have five top 24 fantasy uh, showings which I get it, fantasy doesn't always matter for this aspect, but if you're not a top 24 fantasy wide receiver, I guarantee you, you're not producing in real life. So you you need those performances, and it just hasn't been. They've been much yep. more run-heavy and tight end friendly this year than wide receiver friendly, and I think that would change in a big way with a quarterback change, for sure, because then it forces them to be less conservative. Teddy Bridgewater is safe and conservative. Absolutely, Connor. I totally agree with you. Um, we're gonna go bananas in just a second, but before that, I want to get a word in with our sponsors from Viridian Global. Here at the Gold Jacket Podcast, we take family very seriously. We know that family doesn't always stop at the bloodline. It's a word that ensures trust. It's a word that, well, around here means that I know that I can count on you to have my back. Viridian Global is family, a family of the fantasy collective, and that is the exact reason Viridian Global will have your back and I don't just mean literally covering your back in the best apparel they can possibly outfit you in I mean at every step of the way from finding the brand that fits you best to tracking your order to making sure you are fully satisfied at every step with over 50 brands a part of the fantasy football collective family what are you waiting for join the family now ViridianGlobal.com yeah, and now we are going to go bananas. We're looking at the Thursday night game. We are looking at Minnesota. Finally gave Detroit the W. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you knew boy. it was going to happen. You knew it was going to happen. Detroit would never go twice, come on, losing mm. like that quick. 
that close. Um, but we got it. And they were playing Ben's last dance, Pittsburgh Steelers. And Pittsburgh's a team that I uh, preseason picked to go to the AFC Championship game. So I think they're going to get it going. Um <laughs> In this matchup, we're going to be rolling high with a guy that's been scoring a couple tutties last week. It's my man, Deontay Johnson. Normally, you like to take a running back in this thing. Normally, you do. I'm not normal, and I'm not going to be taking one this week. Uh, I'm not all in on Alexander Madison. Don't know about the Delvin. You know, he's out for a couple weeks. Uh, so I'm not trusting Madison in this one. I'm going with Adam more than a feeling, feeling, because he's going to be getting you a couple tutties, I think. And then because you got to throw a third guy in here, Connor, and it's fucking Pittsburgh. Who am I giving you? Pat Fryer move, baby, because he comes in clutch for you. Big Ben likes him. He likes him on third downs, and if he's a third down in the red zone, look for fucking Pat to score a big one for you. Uh, 1.5 Tutties dancing in the paint. Hopefully you see the alter ego of Tutty dancing going wild this week. But that's what I got for you. I, got I just want to point this out, Jim. I don't think Adam Thielen's playing Thursday night. I thought he was still. I thought yeah, Adam I thought was a questionable with, with, with going into possibly is what I checked about an hour ago. Was okay. more likely than not. Okay. Oh, I'm Let me double check. It's a high ankle sprain, so I did not think he would be playing this week. But maybe Let he me will double be, check. especially on the short week. But Let me double check because the last thing I was double – because I saw it and I was like, is he even going to play? Because that's who I wanted to go with. And they said possibly. Could be like a risky wide play. But... An hour ago. Says he possibly will two hours ago. So keep your eyes on Twitter because by Thursday oh. there is a change. Jim will make a change as well. Reading up, catching yeah, up. Yeah, no, it. it still says it's like a good chance he plays, but not like Ooh, a boy. lot. Oh boy. Anyway, he's got high ankle sprain. Okay, too. here you want me here. You want me to you want me to switch it up for you right now? <laughs> I'm still not going Alexander Madison for you. I still um, I, would not want Alexander Madison. Yes, you do. You want no, Alexander I don't Madison. want Alexander Madison. Stop it. What about who was that? Who was that waiver wire hype guy a couple of weeks ago? KJ Osborne. KJ a, a couple weeks ago, like was that not like week like two three of the season? Like, it was a few. <laughs> he said a few. Moments. It was like week five or six. No, it's a few weeks. Anyway, yeah. neither here nor there. I'll give you because ah, that's another thing. I wish you could take all this one team on it. But anyway, yeah, I got Deontay Johnson, Pat Fryermuth. As of right now, I'd say Adam Thielen. If he doesn't suit up, even though two hours ago it said he would. Um, I keep guess your eyes KJ on Osborne. the injury report. I go KJ Osborne. So you keep your eyes Justin on the Jefferson. injury report. And when you sign up for uh, for Monkey Knife Fight with your TNFF code that gives you a $50 match, up to $50 mat deposit match, make sure you keep an eye on, on the injury report. And if Thielen's a go, you go Thielen. If Thielen is a no-go, you go KJ Osborne. So 
Thank you so much, Jim. As always, going bananas, we're going to get things right. I told the people we would write this wrong and get this ship <sighs> headed in the right direction. So let's do I it. I want to hear this stuff that you got because this is my favorite part of the, of the show. As you start sits, this is where I start to tinker. I love it. I love it. Well, let me get right to it. Gold and Fool's Gold. I'm proudly sponsored by Trophy Smack. Make sure your fantasy league champion feels well-respected and like a real-world champion with Trophy Smack. Sure, a virtual sleeper trophy is cool and the money you win feels good in your wallet, but with over 1,000 customizable trophy combinations, championship belts, and rings to choose from, you can commemorate your league's champion in style. Use that promo code TNFF with your purchase and receive a free championship ring. That's trophysmack.com, promo code TNFF at checkout. Quarterback for me, you're probably going to enjoy this one because I got Kirk Cousins against Pittsburgh as my gold quarterback. In 9 of 12 games, a QB has managed 20-plus points uh, against the Pittsburgh Steelers with Goff, Geno Smith, and Baker Mayfield being the only ones to obviously miss. Over the last three weeks, they're the second worst against the quarterback, giving up 27.5 points per game. And in the last five, they are the seventh worst, including three straight achieving 20 points. Cousins has hit that 20-point threshold in eight of 12 games this season. One game, he was at 19.9, another at 18.2. So he's given you a fairly safe floor of 20 points, or very close to. Multiple TDs in five straight games. Minnesota has led all games. I heard this fact today, actually. Minnesota has led all games by at least six points and somehow have the record that they have. And they somehow lose, which means Cousins and the Vikings need to score and will be scoring and will be throwing that football likely quite a bit. Fool's goal for me, Ryan Tannehill against Jacksonville. Jacksonville defensively has looked much improved. Sure, Stafford ate them alive, but what can you do against three top wide receivers and a top 12 tight end like they have there? The Titans remain banged up, which spells much easier matchups for the Jacksonville defense. Even if Julio returns, the Jags had a streak of four straight games where QB couldn't score 20 points prior to Stafford. That included Josh Allen and Carson Wentz. Tannehill managed 16 points against him earlier in the season with A.J. Brown and Derrick Henry in. He might have Julio back. So that is my quarterbacks. Running backs, Clyde Edwards-Alaire for gold against Las Vegas Raiders. Last time the Raiders met the Chiefs, Darrell Williams put up 29 points mainly through the air because Clyde Edwards-Alaire was out nursing his injury. The Raiders have given up 15-plus points to their team's lead running back in six straight weeks now, three of them reaching over 20. They are fifth-worst against running backs in the last five weeks, giving up an average 28.2 points per game. Against the Chargers and Eagles, both ranking bottom 12 against running backs, Clyde Edwards-Alaire managed 18.9 and 19.4. On the season, the Raiders rank fourth-worst against running backs. Both were 100-yard games with touchdowns for Clyde Edwards-Alaire when he faced bottom 12 teams against the position last. Fool's gold, Nick Chubb against the Baltimore Ravens. As Harbaugh alluded to, they got no cornerbacks left. So I think that the that Baker Mayfield will come back slight, feeling a little bit better and will be forced to throw the ball a lot more because the Ravens have become pretty difficult to run on. 
The Ravens ranked number one against fantasy running backs over the last five weeks, giving up 12.6 points, including being one of two teams to not allow any running back to score in those five games. They haven't allowed a 20-point running back since week five, and that was Jonathan Taylor, and have allowed double-digit points only three times in seven games. This is likely due to their depleted secondary, as I alluded to, as they do rank 10th worst in that same time frame against wide receivers. Chubb and Hunt saw the Ravens' defense two weeks ago prior to their bye and combined for 7.9 points together. So Nick Chubb for fool's gold. Cream Hunt, you might be able to get away with playing because Cream Hunt is a pass catching back and he may be able to take advantage of the depleted secondary there. Um, Wide receiver, gold for me. I'm going to keep rolling with Elijah Moore up against the New Orleans Saints. Saints are sixth worst against wide receivers over the last five weeks. Six of the last seven weeks with the team's lead wide receiver getting 15 points or more. They have allowed 36.3 points per game in the last five games. No Corey Davis. Moore is about to get absolutely fed targets. He's had six or more targets in seven straight. The last three games, eight or more. Four of those seven games, he's had 60 yards and six receptions and now touchdowns in four of his last five. So Elijah Moore for gold uh, receiver. Fool's gold. I got Mike Evans against Buffalo. Special consideration to be given to Chris Godwin here as well, but I chose to pick just one. Mike Evans, I picked Evans because I feel he's more dependent on the touchdown, which the Buffalo Bills do not give up two wide receivers. They've given up four total on the season to the position. Um, and Evans is more dependent on it for the boom week. Seven top 24 weeks this season. Five of those seven weeks had a touchdown, at least one touchdown. Um, the Bills have yet to allow a 20-point wide receiver this season. So I think it's going to be an extremely difficult matchup for even Tom Brady. is going to may have a very tough game. Um, and I definitely have Mike Evans as a fool's gold this week. Finally, wrapping it up with the tight end gold, Noah Fant, speak of the devil against Detroit. Over the last three and five weeks, the Lions are giving up well over 30% more than the league average of points allowed to fantasy tight ends. This includes back-to-back 12-point games to, to Conklin and Cole Komet. Fant had four 12-point outings in the first six weeks and in the last five weeks has yet to hit the mark. The matchup is nice and Fant's good for at least four targets, seeing at least that in all but one game this season. Finally, wrapping it all up with the fool's gold, and I'm going Dalton Schultz against the Washington football team. Prior to the week seven bye, Schultz was riding a streak of four straight games with 12-plus points. He's since managed that mark in one game against the second-worst team against tight ends, the Raiders. The football team is just outside the top 12 against the tight end position, but have the second lowest receptions allowed and fourth lowest yards. In the last five games, Everett had 14.7 points. No other tight end has been able to achieve eight points against this football team defense. Jim, that's all I got for you for Golden Fool's Gold. Any thoughts? Um, I'm loving the fact that you were going with my man Elijah Moore. Uh <laughs> Can't say too much right now. Uh, making some pushes for him in a couple of leagues uh, where I don't already have his skills acquired on that said <laughs> services for that team. Um, but, yeah, uh, I'm in a pretty cool league. 
uh, hosted by Mark Shu uh, over at the Primetime Fantasy Network, uh, Fantasy Fantasy Reality, a football competition. Uh, check it out. There's been some episodes been dropping. Uh, not a lot of screen time for me, but I am slapping babies, kissing ladies in that league. So it's neither here nor there. There's a little bit of a twist. Uh, our boy Jules, Julian Barnett was in it. He got knocked out. And uh, Coach Craig, he's still in it somehow. I have no idea. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, just... no disrespect, Craig. No uh, disrespect. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just busting his chops real quick. <laughs> Uh, no, he's got a pretty good team. No, he's been hit by some by some ravage injuries, so I was actually surprised he survived this week. Um, but yeah, he is. So let's uh, let's keep rolling. I love it. Well, that is it. That is all, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much for joining us as always, and thank you so much to our sponsors, Monkey Knife Fight and Trophy Smack, and our partners over at the True North Fantasy Football Network. You can find them above Jim's head, TrueNorthFFB.com, where. Uh, our boy Matt just dropped his free agent Philip. Go check that out to see what waiver wire acquisitions you should be having. Um, and on Twitter at True North FFB and TNFF Network on YouTube, where you may be watching us right now. Um, and of course, Jim, make sure you follow him at Gold Jacket QBs on Twitter oh. as well. And myself at Connor 10 TEN. Uh, <laughs> My apologies, Jim. Um, but otherwise, we'll be back next week. We'll be talking the fantasy football playoffs, and we'll be getting you ready for those fantasy football playoffs. Any last words you got, Jim? See you next Tuesday? Absolutely. We. Until then, we will see you next Tuesday. Yeah. This is a beginning point.